A long time ago, I bought um, uh, a little car, and it was a 1983 Honda Prelude. And this was quite the car for me because it, um, sorry if this is distracting to some of you. Um, all of a sudden I realized, whoa, I don't want to flex too much. So. <laughs> Quickly. Yeah, that's right. Woo! Oh, safer. You know, those crazy forearms. Um, <clears throat> I bought this little car, and it was an amazing little car. I bought it at the London auction. And, of course, being a good youth, I didn't have insurance or anything like that. So I just drove it home and uh, got home, no problem. And, uh, you know, and my brother Abe, who is a race car driver... Uh, well, he taught me some tricks, like you can do a 360 with this thing, and even though it wasn't a rear-wheel drive, you pull the e-brake, you do the brakes things just right, and that car will do a 360, and you can just keep right on going down the road. And so when I went to Manitoba, where there was a lot of snow and a lot of uh, ice, uh, lots of fun, you know, and I had a good chance to scare Maria half to death a number of times, but thankfully she still ended up marrying me, and it was all good. One thing, the reason for me sharing that like that is because I want you guys to understand that I think I had pretty good control of this car. Um, this was a little bit different than sitting inside a minivan like what I have now, you know. Um, there we go, finally. Um, you know, you pull the, you have the e-brake here and you have your, you know, clutch and it's a little, little five-speeder and it's this little compact thing and you can just whip around all over the place with this thing. Lots of fun. I had really good control of this car. The reason I share that is because no matter how much control I had of this car, if I didn't know where I was or where I was going, it didn't matter. It didn't matter that I could drive that car really well. It didn't matter that I knew exactly where my mirrors were, my, my blind spots, all that stuff. If I didn't know where I was, all of that was for nothing. And there was one such time, and there has been many times in my life where I haven't quite known when I'm driving exactly where I, where I am or where I was. And one such time was when we were driving, Maria and I were driving back to Manitoba. And we took the tunnel, we went through, you know, and then after a little ways we get on the freeway and we're going. And I knew this. You get on the 94 up to Chicago and you, all the little detours, I know them all. 294, the 290, back on the 90 and back on the 94 and off you go. I'd done this route many times. I knew where I wanted to go. And I felt that I even knew where exactly I was going, and I knew the exact road. You see, you take the 94 west all the way up to Fargo. And on the 94, you go off north on the 29, which goes up to the Canadian border. You then jump on the 75. You take the 75 right into the city of Winnipeg. You take the 42 through the city. You end up on Main Street. You turn left on Main Street. You continue north until you hit John Black Street. You take a right on John Black Street until you hit Scotia Street. You turn left on Scotia Street, four houses down to where Maria lived. Still got this memorized. I wouldn't forget that road ever. Um, and I made this route a number of times. But see, now something happened. We were driving along the 94, and we're just picking up speed, and we noticed that there are lights up ahead. And you know, of course, the immediate thing is, ha-ha, that police officer's busy, so let's give her. You know, that's just kind of how it goes. And, and we just thought it was another guy who had just been pulled over. And we started going, and all of a sudden we realized, oh, no, no, there's something really wrong here. And here's this police cruiser in the middle of the street, and he's waving us all off the highway. So we're on the 94, and suddenly we're no longer on the 94. And because it was so unexpected, we didn't exactly take time to look at the signs. We didn't have a clue where we were. And so we decided, let's follow the truckers. Because truckers always know where they're going. 
Now, being good truckers that they were, there's about five of them in front of us. And I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say this. Typical trucker, he thought he knew, they all thought they knew best. And so every trucker went their own way. And suddenly here were Marie and I realized very quickly the truckers were pretty undependable or they weren't exactly agreeing with each other and we were completely lost. So I looked at her and I said, you have a map. Why would we have a map? We were planning on being in Detroit a few minutes. We weren't exactly planning on touring Detroit. You get on the 94 and you go. Why would we need a map? And so here we were, completely lost in Detroit, uh, confused, um, you know, driving around, and of course, to make matters worse, out of fuel. Because my goal was that we would get to the airport, and right there on the airport road, we would fill up with fuel, and then off we would go um, all the way to Manitoba. But here we are, lost in Detroit, looking for a gas station, trying to find our way back to the route we were supposed to be on. We went into the gas station, bulletproof glasses thick, you know, the little slot where you put your money through, gave the guy my money, filled up the car, asked for directions, and here's what he said, and I don't know, I'm just making these directions up because I don't remember, but turn left, turn right, there you go. That's simple. So we turn left, we turn right, and off we went. You see, it didn't matter how good I could drive the car. When I was lost, I was lost. And I'm going to guess that people driving by me would have seen me driving that car by and they would have never guessed that I was lost. My question for you guys is, is that the way it is for some of you today spiritually? If you're totally honest right now, you would have to admit that you're driving around lost. Well, you got control of your life. You know what to do and what not to do. And most of us would look at you and say, oh yeah, totally under control. Things are going well, but inside you know. In that little car, the temperature, the anxiety was completely different. We knew we were lost. Maybe, like I said, some of you can identify with this spiritually today. You see, one thing I've come to understand is that people never plan on getting lost. People don't, you know, say, let's go on vacation. Where do you want to go? Oh, you know what? Let's leave the maps. Let's leave the GPS. Let's leave everything at home. Let's go on a two-week vacation and just see how lost we can get. I've never yet met a person who said, let's go for a couple-day hike in the forest and let's just see if we can get completely lost. People never plan on getting lost. But one thing I also know, is that people who are lost always want to be found. They will, have do, they will do some extreme things to be found. People want to be found when they are lost. Way back when I was still young, um, I tree planted every summer, trying to make some money to pay off college. And one year we were, or one time, we planted on these things called blocks and and so we were driving, and, and we were told, you got a new block, and it's kind of a weird one, and so look at the map. And, and what we realized is that our block was over here, and the road came and did one of these. And so my, my foreman realized very quickly that that's about a two-hour extra drive. And one thing you need to understand about tree planters, if we're not planting, we're not making money. And so everybody's like, this is awful. Two hours, one way, extra every day. This cuts down four hours of our planting. 
This is not acceptable. So then my, mo- my boss, I almost said my mom, uh, my boss came up with a great solution. We could hike half an hour through the woods, through the forest, and it would save us an hour and a half of driving. And so that's what we did. And we did this for about a week, but I remember the one time, you know, I had to go. I just did. I, I mean, like, not walk. I had to go. You know what I mean now? And so I told the guys, I'm like, hey guys, I got to go. And just, you know, and I thought they heard me. And the other thing you need to know about tree planting, I missed this part because some of you like these kind of stories. It's springtime, which means bears are coming out of hibernation, which means you don't want to be alone. And so, okay, I'm done my thing. And so I come back and the guys are all gone. They hadn't heard me. Now, we had taken all kinds of courses. You have to take some courses in bear safety, getting lost in the woods and those sort of things. And I remember the guy telling us in the course, the first thing you want to do is make some sort of marker when you are not sure where you are because it will keep you orientated. In other words, if you don't have any kind of marker, you may not know that you used to be facing this way. You may be facing this way thinking that you're facing this way. On this stage, it's pretty hard. I'm not like, okay, talking to you guys like this. Like, whoa, where did you guys go? Like, I know, this is where you are. I didn't do that because I was like, well, hey guys, where are you? And I started turning around in circles, and all of a sudden I realized I didn't have a clue where I was. Things get noisy when you start getting lost. No, little branches break, and you think it's a bear, and, and your head is spinning, and everything is loud. And, and I remember just, I still can remember having to fight the panic that was building up inside of me. And I calmed myself down. Listen, Ike, relax, stay calm. And then I started hearing the people. And obviously I made it because I'm talking to you here this morning. Jesus tells these three parables about something or someone being lost. Because you see, when we are lost, it's an awful, awful feeling. The one parable is about the lost sheep. A second parable is about the lost coin. And the third parable is about the lost son, the prodigal son. And I want to just look at the first two this morning. So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, and we're just going to spend a little bit of time looking at these this morning and seeing what they mean for us. But instead of me telling you the first parable about the lost sheep, found this amazing video. This is going to be very moving and touching for all of you. And so let's watch the parable of the lost sheep on the screen, please.
very touching. I wonder, though, for most of us here, or for some of us in this room, I wonder, I wonder if that's maybe a little bit what we've done this week, maybe even. We've just kind of wandered off. It's not that we've abandoned Christianity. It's not that we've given it all up. It's not that we've turned our backs completely on God. But maybe we've just kind of wandered off in certain areas. I remember last year when we were in in Europe, and there were so many sites that we had never seen before because we'd never been in Europe before. And so we would come to these places and they'd just be like, wow, unbelievable. And we had a little system going. We would, you know, hold hands with one kid each and then the third kid would walk in front of us and that kind of helped us keep the three of, the five of us all together. One of these places where we'd obviously never been before was in Paris at the Arch de Triomphe, if I'm saying that right. And we were just amazed here, you know, we'd read our story, we knew the history, we some of the amazing events that had taken place at this arch. Now, if you've ever been to this place, it's this massive arch, and then there's a roundabout on it, around it. And it's a roundabout on steroids, because there's like a gazillion cars, I think there's like 10 or 12 streets that all connect at this arch, and it's amazing, and it's crazy watching these cars just zip around, and scooters and everything else. Plus, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people all doing what we're doing. Then, of course, you got the few locals like, excuse me, excuse me, you know, all in French, of course, which I can't do. And so we walked up to this place, we're holding our kids, and we just like, wow. And out come the cameras, you know, the video camera, and the still camera, and we're just snapping away. One problem, Madeline was walking in front of us and she didn't know that we'd stopped. And so we're, you know, videotaping, like, wow, wow, holding the hands of this child on her, each of us. And you can hear it on the video, where's Madeline? Paris. Lots of people. Craziness. And we've lost Madeline. What do you guys think we did? Well, we just quickly talked, and we figured we still have two-thirds of our kids. There are a lot of other things to see, and we'll only be in Paris once. Let's go. I'm sure she'll be fine. Not at all. I didn't care what those French people thought of me. I didn't care what any tourists thought. We were yelling at the top of our lungs. We were pushing around, and thankfully, almost immediately, Madeline came running back to us, and we had her back. Parents, how many of you have ever lost a child for a few seconds? Yeah. What an absolutely horrible feeling. Do you guys know that when you've... It didn't matter what we were standing in front of. It didn't matter what it cost for us to get there. It didn't matter how much history we were standing in front of, how amazing it was, all those things. At that very moment, the only thing that mattered to us was finding her. Do you guys understand that that's the way it is with God and you? God is concerned about finding the one. He is after the one. It's not like He's saying, oh, there's millions of other people, or oh, there's all these different people. He wants to find the one. In Luke chapter 15, verses um, 8 to 10, we read the parable of of the the, uh, coin, and this is what it says. Or perhaps a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp 
Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and, they, and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over every sinner who repents. See, God is concerned about the one. He doesn't just say, you know, I have lots of others, it's okay. Just like a parent, when that one is missing, he wants that one back. Maybe you're here today thinking to yourself that God doesn't care about you. I want you to know that God is in pursuit of you if you've not given your life to Him. That God is concerned about your salvation. God is concerned about your standings with Him. And if you have somehow wandered off, if you have somehow been lost, He wants you to get found. He wants you to be found. There are two key things that I love about these parables. Number one, is that in each one of these parables, what is lost is found. That in each one of these parables, all three of them, that what was lost is found. Here's what I think that means about God. And I need you to listen carefully so you understand it right. I believe that if our salvation depended only on God, if, uh, whether or not we would receive salvation, if that depended only on God, every single person would be found. Because God is pursuing every person. God is after every single person. But you see, although God loves you, although God is merciful, although God has sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for you, and although He has given us the Holy Spirit who convicts us and who draws us, there's one thing God will not do, and that is make you. You must allow yourself to be found. See, if it was up to God, every single person would, res would respond. But God has given that to us. We must choose to respond. We must choose to allow Him to find us. The second thing I love about these parables is the celebration. In each one of these parables we read, in all three of them, we read about the celebration that happens after what was lost is found. In Luke chapter 15, verse 7, the parable says this, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. In Luke chapter 15, verse 10 Again, it says, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Not only are you important, so important that God is pursuing you, but Scripture tells us that when He finds you, He sends a memo all out throughout heaven. Heaven maybe shuts down and there is a party because of you. I don't know if any of you have ever been to a party where you are the guest of honor. A birthday party, an anniversary party, graduation party, I don't know what it is, but what are people there to do? They are there to celebrate you. And that is what God does when we repent and turn to Him. Never feel that you're not important. Never feel that God doesn't care. Never convince yourself that it doesn't matter. It does matter because God is pursuing you. And when He finds you, when you allow Him to rescue you, He celebrates. You matter. So let's be honest with ourselves. Are we lost? 
do we need this morning? Say, God, I need to be found. Like these four people here, there was a time in their life they had to respond. Whether it was from young on, like Danny said, but there was a time in their life where they needed to respond, they needed to constantly be with Christ in living for Him. So I'm asking you, do some of you here today need to say, yeah, God, find me. Rescue me. I've wandered off. I'm not going to ask you to show hands. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. This is a commitment that you need to make with God. This is a conversation that you need to have with Him. And I want to just ask us to pause for a moment. And I know we're going to go a little over time, but not much. And if you're here today, and you're saying, God, I've wandered off. I am not living for you. My relationship with you is not what it should be. As a matter of fact, right now, spiritually, I don't even know where I am. I thought I had my route figured out. I thought I knew exactly where I was going. I was doing the church thing. I was doing the Bible study thing. I was doing the prayer thing. I thought I had this all figured out. But if I'm totally honest with myself right now, I feel lost. Here's what you need to do this morning. As simply as this, you say, Jesus, here I am. Find me. I'm yours. You might say, that sounds too simple. It's not, because there's a journey that takes place after. But for God to find you, it's just a matter of saying, God, here I am. Rescue me. Save me. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's no sin you have. There's no place you've wandered. There's no place you've gone that the shepherd, that Christ, will not come and scoop you out of and rescue you from. And He will make you clean. He will purify you. Let me just ask you if you would bow your heads right now, please. And let's pray. Lord God, I thank You so much for all that You've done for us. Jesus, we thank You for coming to this earth and we celebrate Christmas and today we celebrate baptism and, and the testimonies of these people. But Lord, I pray now that You would, through Your Holy Spirit, go through this congregation. And I pray that people would respond to You if they're not where they should be with You. Lord, for the person who's maybe walked in here today just wanting to just come to church this morning or they just wanted to, to see what this place was like or, and they, they have no relationship with You. God, I pray that this morning they would just see how simple it is to respond to You and to be found by You. I pray for those who have maybe been living for You and yet in areas of their life they have wandered off. I pray, O oh God, that they also would respond to You and that they would re be returned back to be where you are, to be where you want them to be. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.